Hawks run out of gas late at home and lose to the Memphis Grizzlies 125 to 119. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am your host, Tim Ogles, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey Kabrinsky, where we talk everything Hawks. Let's go! Mikey, this is a, the, another another rough one for the Hawks that just didn't end the way that they wanted it to. Um, DeAndre Hunter still remains out. Um, Garrison Matthews got the start again. The Hawks just didn't have enough gas to finish in the fourth quarter. Uh, what's your overall thoughts on this game? Yeah, overall, I think the Hawks' defense played well enough to win, especially in that first half. The Hawks gave up only 50 points at halftime. That was the best defensive half of the season, lowest points scored by the, by opposition. And you know, Desmond Bain only had six points at halftime. Now, granted, he did miss a lot of open shots in that first half, but in the third quarter, he got it going, scored 18 points, and he didn't stop uh, for the rest of the second half and into close time in the fourth. John Moran and Desmond Bain really took over this game for the Grizzlies with Jaron Jackson Jr. in foul trouble and with the Hawks' poor point of attack defense with two elite scorers that Memphis has in, in that backcourt. It's not going to be a good look if both of them get going and they both scored over 30 tonight, Tim. Yeah, um, one thing I wanted to emphasize kind of on this um, beginning of this game is Clint Capella, pure dominance. Um, throughout this whole game and, and we talked about about this being a key to you know this Memphis game is the rebounding and the Hawks Trey and Clint Capella being able to attack Bismack Biombo. it helped that Jaron Jackson got in foul trouble early in this game and, and fought throughout the game being in foul trouble but I, I felt like Clint Capella was dominant inside on the boards and and scoring. Yeah, the the way both centers are playing right now, Onyeka Kangwu and Clint Capella is just what Hawks fans expected to see from the jump in the start of this season. It it is it is a it is dominance right now for Clint Capella. He's averaging a double double. He's made he's shooting seventy percent from the free throw line and above actually seventy percent from the free throw line over his past uh, handful of games. He's he's now making just do, dominating plays after dominating plays. We saw in the first saw in the first quarter, he was grabbing every rebound. And as we go here into the first for, uh, a little in a little bit, he was taking the ball off the dribble to the rim. This is stuff that Hawks fans saw two years ago when Clint Capella was a defensive player of the U candidate. And if the Hawks can get that now, along with Onyeka Kangwu coming into his own this season, the Hawks center play is great. They just have to fix some of these wing defensive backline problems and point of attack defense to win games consistently yeah and for Clint I mean it's one of those things where he like you talked about his free throws Clint hasn't missed a free throw in the last three games like I think he's up to 16 in a row which is a career high for him and 
I, I, he, pure dominance from him over the last three games for sure. And before we get to the first quarter here, something I want to point out with uh, always a key stat for Atlanta. You look at the three ball. The Hawks in this game shot 43 threes, but they only hit 13 of them. And uh, I feel like a lot, a lot, the majority of those came in the second half. First half was was de- was definitely the three ball wasn't hitting for everybody except really except DeJounte Murray. But 43s, 43 threes is enough in a Quinn Snyder offense to get up. They just the shots just would not get go down, especially for Sadiq Bay lately, and and Trey Young as well did not shoot well from beyond the arc. Yeah, and thirty percent from this team is normally not where you would like them to be. Um, uh, over the last couple games, I think they've been shooting around forty six to forty eight percent, and at, at that clip, you know the offense is running super smooth for the Hawks, and, and we'll go into the beginning of this game um, to start it out in the first quick nine points off of Clint Capella and one on an offensive rebound and DeJounte Murray came out swinging in this game with two three-pointers um, inside. I mean, Clint Capella made it known from the tip that he was going to be a force inside in this game. Yeah, something that I alluded to just a minute ago. Clint Capella was going to go for a dribble handoff. He faked the dribble handoff, spun around, took true dribbles, and threw down a monster dunk. And it was it was funny. The Bob Rathman call of that play, Bob, Bob was hyped. It was, it was a great call right there. And you don't really see that from Clint Capella anymore. He used to do that a lot earlier in his career with Houston and two years ago. But the fact that the Hawks are seeing that from him, even with being diagnosed with a bone bruise less than seven days ago, is a great sign that he's healthy. He knows he's having success, and and he he's doing what he needs to do night in night out. Yeah, and the Hawks, um, you know, continuing on in the first, the Hawks jumped out to a seventeen twelve lead. Um, Dejounte, you know, was cooking in this game early. I mean he he was getting every shot at will. Um, he was forcing teams to to commit guys to him um, for kickouts. Unfortunately. Our corner threes were struggling mightily in this beginning of this game for the Hawks. And, you know, that's something that we, we've we seen um, from the Hawks uh, night in and night out as of lately with Sadiq Bey and Garrison Matthews both struggling from the corner. Um, I, I would like to see those shots go down, and I think the Hawks probably have an even bigger lead moving in. Yeah, and it's weird with Sadiq Bey because last season – when he came to the Hawks, he was shooting complete lights out from three, and especially the corner. The left corner, he shot almost 60% from three from the left corner with the Hawks last year. And that just seems to have completely fallen off. He's hitting more threes from the wings, it feels like. But the majority of his three-point shots, as well as Garrison, come off the corner threes with guys sending help to Trey or, or to Clint or Onyeka on the roll, leaving that corner three open. Uh, the shots just not, aren't going down now. And yeah, the Hawks definitely could have had a bigger lead I felt like um in the first quarter even even just in the in the first half alone to be honest and they could have been up more than 10 with Desmond Bain having such a poor shooting performance throughout the first uh, 24 minutes of this game yeah and I felt like the Hawks were playing great defense Seth Lundy got some early first quarter minutes um him guarding John Morant was something I did not have on my bingo card tonight but it was very welcoming to watch because his on-ball defense was phenomenal definitely in the first half 
I felt like he limited Jaw to taking mid-range shots and three-pointers and, and not letting him get to the rim at will. Um, later on in the game, that kind of changes. But, um, you know, at the end of this quarter, it ended up being 32-25, Hawks leading, and Trey Young, six points and five assists in the first quarter. As you will learn later on going through this game, Trey Young is on a tear. Yeah. Um, at the end of this quarter, really started at the middle of it, you could tell that Quinn Snyder changed his rotation a lot. Obviously, the early Seth Lundy minutes there as the headliner. But the Hawks played a lot, a lot of Onyeka Okongwu and Clint Capella together, and it started early in this game with the height of Jaron Jackson Jr. at power forward and, and just the physical nature of Bismack Biombo at the five. So uh, Snyder definitely being flexible with his rotations, and I thought it was interesting that he didn't start uh, Okongwu at the four with Matthew's struggles as of late, uh, but both both centers still played together a good amount to have an impact on the game, and, and I think I think those lineups worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um, something, you know, Quinn Snyder has been known to do is run an eight-man rotation, and he went back to that tonight. Um, I think that, you know, with DeAndre being out, I, I figured the Hawks would probably go into that nine-man rotation, but also Wesley Matthews wasn't available so they they let Lundy play 19 minutes, and and that's a lot of time for for Lundy to be honest with you, just because he's only got spot minutes here and there. But uh, Quinn Snyder decided to give him a good share of minutes, and I, I thought he played okay. Yeah, yeah. As as you as you were saying, I thought he did a, g- a good job on Jaw, especially in that first half. As we go into the second here, the Grizzlies get a quick five points, uh, but but the Hawks defense just continue just continue to keep them out of rhythm. Um, as I mentioned before. Bain really struggled to shoot in that first half. Morant was really taking a lot of jump shots. He wasn't getting to the rim as much as he did in the second half. And Onyeka Kongwu had some highlight plays in this game, especially in the second half. But his defense and, and Capella's defense in this game was was just locked down in the paint. Uh, Jackson wasn't getting getting anything in the paint. Not neither was Biombo. And that's this is the time where Hawks fans are like, okay, we've seen this team play defense. Can can this te- can this continue for forty eight minutes? Unfortunately, it couldn't as, as Bain started knock, knocking down shots and the point of attack defense uh, kind of fell off in the second half. But it, it's encouraging that the Hawks can do this, even though it, it's just in spurts. And Jalen Johnson coming back soon will, will obviously help that a ton. Yeah, and Mikey, I, I got a little question for you. Did did it feel like to you that the Hawks' rotations just seemed so much more crisper when when you had DeJounte, you had Lundy, Trey, O.O., and Clint? It, it felt like just the rotations in general like everybody knew where they were supposed to be and maybe that's been an emphasis for Quinn Snyder in practice is with this two-man lineup everybody has to know where they need to be because if you end up messing up it it could be you know one of those things where you end up giving up a a pretty easy basket where you know teams go on runs definitely if they're getting easy baskets so I felt like you know that's something maybe do you think he He's been working with them on rotations, definitely in that big man lineup. Uh, yeah, I think so, and it's really it's really important to to do that because when when you've got Onyeka and Clint uh, on the floor together, the pace might naturally slow down a little bit, and so it's going to be a half court game. In the half court, you've got to be crisp. You've got to know know who you know where your man is at all times. 
and watch for those back cuts. And yes, while it, the Hawks can afford some mistakes because they have the double big man lineup in there for some more rim protection, that's not, that's not, that can't happen all game. And so I think that that defensive lineup is just it. A lot of those guys are smart defenders in there and it, it's helped, especially just g- giving the Hawks some height on the back line with poor point of attack defense. Akangu has just been great defensively uh, with Capella. Yeah. And, and moving on a little bit further in the second, I felt like, you know, the offense really struggled whenever Trey went off the floor. Um, in the second, I felt like DJ was having a hard time um, creating the offense or, or, you know, even bogey were, were having a hard time. And, and, you know, you can give a little bit of credit to Memphis's defense, you know, whenever Trey went off the floor. But I felt like DJ had his opportunities to probably get to the rim and chose to do other things like snake pick and rolls and, you know, kick and driving kick, but his driving kicks were to the nail and never at the rim. So you couldn't really collapse the defense for them. So I felt like, you know, you know, the offense really struggled with Trey off the floor in the second. Yeah. DeJounte to begin this game in the first quarter did a great job of spreading the defense out, uh, mixing in a lot of three point shots. He shot four of six from three tonight. Uh, best best percentage by far on the team from beyond the arc. So I liked what he did in the first quarter, but in the second when Trey Young was off the floor, I felt like he was just uh, a little bit more one dimensional, like you were saying. This, if we as we move on here in the second quarter, the Hawks' defense was creating turnovers. The ball pressure was great, and you know Trey Young put on a dribble dribble handling exp- exhibition here on Jaron Jackson Jr. and he he was lost, and th- that was one of the that was one of the highlight moments as the State Farm Arena crowd got going there late in the second quarter. Yeah, I mean Trey Young had him on skates and. And to be honest with you, that was the first missed goaltending of this game. We'll, we'll talk about the, the second one a little bit later. But, uh, you know, Trey was being Trey. And, you know, when he got back on the second, the offense got sparked up. And, you know, for the Hawks, you ha- they have to take advantage of – you know, going on runs, and they did. Um, going into halftime, the Hawks ended up being up 10 points, uh, 60 to 50. I felt like, personally, this was the best defensive half of the season by the Hawks by a mile. Only allowing 50 points, I, I felt like, you know, they were doing the small things that um, it takes to to play winning defensive basketball. Yeah, Atlanta ended the second quarter on a 19 to 9 run, giving them that 10-point lead, and that was one thing that I talked about about on the last show finishing quarters finishing half strong and the Hawks definitely did that unfortunately tonight though it did not lead to a great start after halftime yeah and moving on into the third I I felt like the offense just sluggishly, you know, snailed along as the defense was, you know, letting Desmond Bain and John Morant get in rhythm. Um, I felt like, you know, it stinks when guys like Bain and and John Morant get going because you know how great of a basketball player they are. So, like, you want to keep them under wraps. You want to kind of keep them off rhythm, out of the game, kind of. But once they get going, there's just hard to stop and especially for the hawks who who lack point of lack uh direct point of attack defenders and and ball pressure guys especially with wes matthews out who's one one of the hawks best uh ball pressure defenders as uh, you know it may not be saying much but but he but he is uh, and this game, it really felt like all the momentum just shifted right as that third quarter. Bain, 18 points, and it, it was doing damage inside. He was doing damage from the three. 
and the Hawks weren't really tr- weren't didn't the Hawks didn't know what Memphis was going to do. It looked like they were guessing uh, at Memphis's game playing. And credit to Taylor Jenkins, credit to Bain and and John Morant for for coming out of halftime and really getting into that mentality of the the Hawks isn't on a good defensive team. We can score on these guys. That's what it looked like the Grizzlies were saying in their minds. Yeah, and something else is you know the Hawks uh, uh, to begin this third quarter shot five of thirteen from the field and zero from five from three. Like whenever you have those kind of shooting performances, you have to really make sure that on the defensive end, you're getting stops because if you're not, you know, Memphis is going to make a run and they did. Yeah. The the shooting struggles now in the second half, this is back-to-back games where Hawks missed, Hawks missed a lot of open shots and a part of it is fatigue, but uh, Bogey was cold for for the most part tonight. It seems like Bogey is on fire every single time he comes into the game in the first half and then he slows down uh, a little bit in the second, but this, this game wasn't over by the third quarter because DeJounte Murray just completely took took the offense into his hands. He was getting to the rim. He was getting kickouts for, for open threes. And this this is what, what the Hawks and what what Hawks fans want DeJounte to do when he's the point guard with, with Trey on the bench. Get to the rim, still shoot these threes, take the mid-rangers here and there. But if he's settling for those mid-rangers too much, it, it can be easy for the defense to guard eventually. I think he did a great job tonight of, of mixing and matching. Just unfortunately, didn't did, uh, the Hawks just came up short. Yeah, and for DJ, it, it was quite welcoming to see him start attacking the paint after the first half where he was struggling to get to the rim. Um, but, you know, when, once Trey got back onto the floor for the Hawks, um, he had a nice floater and um, Bogey hit a three to tie this game up. And I felt like, you know, the Hawks were going to make a run and ended up not being a run. The Hawks really uh, started going back and forth. Um, John Morant and Trey Young, you know, I felt like the superstars kind of took over the game late in the third where, you know, Ja was going at Trey. He had a nasty, a nasty dunk off a back cut. Um, and then Trey comes down, drains the three. Like them two just going back and forth. Uh, as a basketball fan, you love to watch it. Uh, as a Hawks fan, probably not like to see Jaw dunking on people, but you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, as a basketball fan, it's great, but. The Hawks definitely, you know, being that that fourth game in six nights, were still fighting in this game late in the third, and definitely had a shot to win it. If bogey, or uh, not bogey, in in this game, Jaw took Jaw took a baseline mid range shot. It was on Seth Lundy, and he kicked this he kicked this feet out. They originally called the refs called the foul on Lundy. Quinn Snyder challenged it. it was a good challenge. It was overturned, and oh, uh, the, the with the, with the Hawks winning that, it, it felt like it felt like they still they still winning this game and the Hawks were event the Hawks were eventually up by three with Bogey hitting two more threes uh 93 to 90 by the end of the third yeah um I felt like you know Memphis took that challenge too on the Bogey three uh because there was a foul call and he ended up shooting two free throws um but something that I felt like really was really interesting is you know Memphis ended up losing a timeout they lost their challenge Quinn Snyder still had his um, I felt like, you know, the Hawks going up three right there, there was definitely a chance going into the fourth. And, you know, for the fourth, Jaron Jackson just came out. You know, he, he he was in foul trouble this whole game. And, you know, he comes back in in the fourth and, and immediately five points, um, a post up, and then, uh, you know, another post up with an and one. 
But moments right after that, the Hawks attack Jaron Jackson Jr. and get him his fifth foul, and he has to go out with 10 minutes and 45 seconds in the fourth quarter. And you don't see him again until the two-minute mark in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's honestly, to me, and I, and, I, and I see a lot of media people talking about this. I think coaches a lot of times will, quote-unquote, foul out their own players. In my opinion, you don't. If I'm Jenkins, I'm bringing Jaron Jackson in with like three, three and a half minutes left in this game. Because even if if you co- if he comes back in with two minutes, that's fine. But is that enough? That's still enough time. But he could have enough impact in this game, and the Grizzlies still have the front court depth with Tillman there and Biombo to to close this game if he if he comes back in with three minutes. So I thought. You know, the, the Grizzlies still won that game, but I thought that was an interesting move by Jenkins. Um, Jaron Jackson, though, after after not being in rhythm the, because of the foul trouble, he, he got in rhythm right as, as we got to the fourth quarter. But some some other guy was in rhythm as well on the other end. Onyeka Okongwu for the Hawks had two of the nastiest blocks you will ever see on Ja Morant. Ja went up for a crazy dunk attempt, cocked it back with his right hand, and Onyeka said, no, not today. This is the type of defense, the type of highlight reel plays that Hawks fans are accustomed to seeing on Yeka Kangwu do last year, and they're coming again right now. Yeah, I mean, you've seen him do it to uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You've seen him do it to Joel Embiid. Um, Anyeka, to be an undersized center, is probably one of the best shot blockers in the league. And, you know, he said, no, Joe, I'm not going to be on your poster tonight. And, um, you know, he had a nasty block right before that uh, off the backboard uh, against Xavier Tillman. That was just a smothering block that was nasty. But moving on a little bit, uh, you know, further in the fourth, um, Bogey Bogey struggled from the three-point line, I felt like, tonight. And he missed the open three where he ended up having to step back on it twice because the first time he did the step back, he didn't make it. And then he stepped back again, which I felt like took him out of rhythm. Um, and he ended up missing the three. Bain comes down in transition and just drains one. Uh, the Grizz go up three, um, and then they just start pouring it on. And it was, you know, one of those things where the Hawks needed to stop and couldn't find one. Yeah, that's a six-point swing right there. One one missed open three on the other end, and then a made three on the other. Uh, Sadiq Bey, uh, thank goodness, hit a three to stop a, a Memphis 9-0 run. Uh, but after Bay hit that three, Tim... The the referees kind kind of made this game in, into into a slower game. There were so many whistles, so many non whistles. Maybe that should have been called. And I think the most blatant one uh, was a goaltending call near the two thirteen mark. Trey a bogey lays the ball up uh, with his left hand. The ball sits on the rim, and John Morant, being athletic as as he is, goes up to the rim, swats it with his left hand, and there's no call. Uh, Bob Rathbun was was livid on the broadcast, and it, I, I I don't blame him. That was one of the most clear goaltending calls, and refs just didn't see it. Yeah, and you know to pour a little bit more salt on the wound. Um, after that missed goaltend, the Hawks still managed to get the ball back. Sadiq Bay goes in the drive, loses the ball, um, ends up hitting off Desmond Bain, who was out of bounds. And then, you know, the Hawks bogey ends up committing a, a clear, uh, not a clear path, but a um, transition take foul. And, you know, Desmond Bain hits the free throw. Memphis gets the ball back um, and gets a bucket. And it felt like this game was over at that point. Yeah, it felt like this this sequence 
took the the wind out of the hawk sails and and after that it, it just didn't seem like they had they they had the effort uh, to come back there but Trey Young still hit a three with with a few seconds remaining and he now ties Oscar Robertson for the most 30 and 10 games in a row with seven he will have the chance to break that record against the Bulls next week well we will see if he does it yeah and, and we'll move on to the box score in this one We'll start out with Seth Lundy, uh, 19 minutes, one from seven from the field, one from six from deep, uh, two rebounds, three points. I I felt like Lundy had more impact on the defensive end than he did the offensive end. Him still being a young player and being a rookie, I thought he played pretty good tonight. Yep, shots didn't. Shots didn't fall for Lundy. Was one of six from beyond the arc, one of seven from the field. But uh, I, I, def- I definitely think that he had he had good minutes. Quinn Snyder trusted him in those minutes. And w- while the second half was a little bit rougher defensively, the first half was definitely encouraging. Oh, with how he was a- able to stay in front of John Morant. As we move on here, uh, Nyeka Kangwu in 27 minutes was five of ten from the field, zero of two from deep. He scored ten points, had two blocks, two steals, four assists, seven rebounds. This is the Yeka Kongu we're accustomed to seeing, Tim. Filling up the stat sheet, getting blocks, and and efficient shooting. At a five of ten, you're you're probably gonna want to get those numbers a little bit further up. But lately, lately he's been doing that, and we're finally seeing the Yeka Kongu that a lot of people were hoping for. Yeah, and some one key number for Yeka Kongu that I love to see is the four assist. Um, and, and that's also you know him noticing that he has a wide open guy outside. Um, I figured he probably probably had six assists if some of the guys were hitting corner threes like they should. But you know we'll move we'll move on to bogey uh 34 minutes six from 15 from the field two from eight from deep four rebounds three assists uh, i felt like bogey had an okay game 16 points uh, i felt like he struggled from deep um the beginning of games bogey has really been good in the first half and i, I wonder if this the fatigue part you know bogey has you know struggled with his knees over the years but i wonder if you know four games in six six days is getting to him a little bit yeah i thought i thought bogey was particularly rough in this one on the defensive end uh, and with him not hitting shots it, it just it was well, not the best night for bogey but he's been he's been so good over the course of the year uh so just a just a rare off night or for bogey in my opinion as we move on to garrison matthews he started the game at small forward but only played 14 minutes he was 0 of 3 from the field one steal one assist one rebound uh garrison's impact on the games is getting less and less the hawks have not won a game in which he started and i think i think the garrison matthews starting experiment as long as uh, jalen johnson and deandre hunter remain out uh is might be coming to an end yeah and moving on to Sadiq Bay, um, 38 minutes, uh, four from 11 from the field, three for nine from deep, um, three for four from the free throw line, 14 points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals. I, I felt like Sadiq had a pretty okay game. Um, I'd like to see his three point numbers go up a little bit more, but I felt like, you know, he was playing better defensively in this game. And I, I felt like, you know, just a little bit more from the three ball from Sadiq and, and he'll be just fine yeah really low and it's not just a few the three-point field goes honestly just his 
shooting from the field, four of 11, less, he's, the majority of these games, a handful of them, he's been under 50, 50% from the field. Not really likes Sadiq when he can, he's, when he's able to attack a closeout as well. So hopefully that'll rise up a little bit uh, in, in the next few games. For Clint Capella, in 30 minutes, he was eight of 11 from the field, another perfect four, four from the line for 20 points, two blocks, one assist, 12 rebounds. Tim, Clint Capella continues to dominate. He's playing really well right now. And unfortunately, it's not translating to a lot of wins for the Hawks. But if he's playing like this, along with Jalen Johnson coming back within the next game or two, and the the Hawks have the rebounding settled. Yeah, uh, I feel like the uh, we, we're going to say this twice about two guys in the lineup. Um, I think you could say this about Clint Capella and Trey Young, and both of them have been dominant over the past couple weeks. And unfortunately for the Hawks, they just – the the wind column isn't filling up as you would think it would be with the way they've been performing. Moving on to DeJounte Murray, 30, 35 minutes, 10 for 15 from the field, four for six from deep, two from two from the free throw line, four rebounds, four assists, two steals, 26 points. I felt like DeJounte played a really good game tonight i felt like you know he's finally starting to get back in his groove um and i thought he played really good yeah uh hopefully getting some consistent scoring and shooting numbers from Dejounte over the past few games is is that that'll be a little momentum for moving forward and i it wasn't just that he was making his shots tim for me it was the type of shots that he was shooting and when he was shooting them it was mixing up when he was going to the rim uh i'd still like to get it see that a little bit more but the three ball and not settling for the mid-range every time is, is what encourages me, especially in that first quarter. Y'all, y'all know how I always harp on that. And I think DeJounte is really starting to see that and, and, and put that into his game. And it's allowing him and his teammates uh, to open the game up even more as the game moves on. For Trey Young now, player of the game, 40 minutes. 11 of 24 from the field so um as as of lately he's been efficient um but not here though three of 10 from deep five of seven from the line for 30 points one block one steal 13 assists and five rebounds this wasn't a type of game where you would think and watch and say trey got 30 and 10 at 30 and 13 i mean it was it was one of those silent 30 and 13 games but still regardless even though most of the shots didn't fall for trey uh, you you can't complain about 30 and 10 uh, he's been yeah 30 and 13 i mean he's been really good and seven in a row of those tim he's he's rolling yeah uh trey young is on fire um as you know something that i wanted to talk about for trey for just a second is um trey's ability to get to the rim in this game uh, i felt like trey probably could have had another five or six assists in this game um off of kickouts but you know the shot just wasn't falling from deep from a lot of the guys so it is what it is, but you know it's quite an accomplishment for Trey Young to to be now at the very top with Oscar Robinson for thirty and ten most consecutive thirty and ten games in NBA history. Um, I, I think that's just nothing but great things for for Trey and the Atlanta Hawks organization. Yep, and he's like I said earlier, he's going to have the chance to break that uh, and get the NBA record on Tuesday in Chicago at the United Center uh, at the United Center against the Bulls. What do you think is the key for the Hawks to bounce back and potentially get back in the win column? Yeah, well, I think the first key is going to be uh, limiting Kobe White um, and forcing the ball out of his hands. He has been the catalyst, you know, for the Bulls. Um, they've won eight of the last twelve games, and, and he has been, you know, the guy running the the show for them. And I felt like, you know, you're going to have to force the ball out of his hands and make somebody else beat you. Yeah, he's taken a lot 
out of the usage since Zach Levine went down uh, for, for, for now a month with that injection in his foot. And DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, they're still on that team, but it's been Kobe White. He's been the most consistent guy since Levine has been out. So uh, if the Hawks can can limit his impact and see how he, see how he handles defenses where the big steps high up on the screen and they either hard hedge or blitz or sometimes even trap on the screen and roll. Let's see how he can handle those coverage and see if he can make the right reads. Because you know, you know, DeMar DeRozan's probably going to get that mid-range, those mid-range buckets. Vucevic is going to get his post touches. But can you limit Kobe White's impact on this game and not make him dominate from both a playmaking and scoring perspective? Yeah, and I feel like, you know, going into the second key, and I feel like uh, this is always going to be a key for the Hawks. Um, just because the Hawks are an undersized team is really rebounding um you can't the hawks can't keep allowing teams to have second chance points so uh vucevic is a, a very good rebounder and you know with guys like derozan and kobe white performing the way they are you can't give them second chance opportunities if definitely if the hawks expect to win this game yeah if the hawks continue their rebounding efforts like they have over the past few games that they'll they'll do that tonight tonight they did lose they did lose the rebounding battle by 10 it didn't feel that way watching watching the game, uh, but overall against the Raptors, against the Heat, they've been against the Rockets, especially the Hawks have been the team on the glass. So let's see if that can continue against the Bulls. Vucevic is a good rebounder, and obviously the the Bulls have rebounding legend Andre Drummond coming off the coming off the bench as their backup big. So Onyeka Kangu especially is going to have to be ready to have a physical fight down low uh, with Drummond and get those defensive rebounds and not letting guys like Vucevic direct rose and kobe white get those second chance opportunities yeah and for the third key mikey i'm gonna let you tell us what is the third key of this game because it makes me very excited yeah it's really simple the third key jalen johnson's return um adrian wojanowski's reported today that the hawks are optimistic that johnson can return on tuesday for the first time in a month the hawks are 29th in defensive efficiency without jalen johnson and you got to figure that number goes up and these both of these keys funny enough Tim factor in Jalen Johnson because great defensive rebounder and also for the first key if you have Jalen in defending the pick and roll he's athletic enough and quick enough to be able to hedge trap blitz if if, if the, the defender slips the screen he's able to recover if he is on full if he's on full go for Tuesday it'll be a huge help to, for the Hawks and and I don't think it can be o- overstated just because yes while he's not like an all-star or something yet the defensive impact he makes on this team is like no other yeah and uh something that we didn't talk talk too too much about so far kobe buffkin cleared to play he was available for the hawks tonight he did get a dmp but uh he is back um back on the hawks bench fully ready to play um him and both jalen johnson got cleared at the same time so i would expect jalen probably to be ready hopefully deandre hunter uh with a few extra days rest you know going into christmas can can get his right knee soreness you know kind of cleared up and I I think you know kind of ending this one off a little bit I think the Hawks um, have a chance right here with the way the schedule and, you know, the injury thing, the injury bug finally going away a little bit are going to get a chance to to make a run, you know, right before all-star break. 
Yeah. And that'll do it for this episode of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can follow me on X at PennyWizard300 and follow Tim at TimHawks23. Make sure to be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage from us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.